This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I'm here to, this morning to introduce both Mark Marone and Steve Verberg of Dale Carnegie. We're here to talk about the new competitive divide, specifically around building the foundation for organizational agility. And Mark, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like what exactly is organizational agility and how should business leaders really look at organizations in terms of ensuring that they're able to adapt quickly or move quickly, right? Uh, do we just tell everybody to run and just go in different directions or really what are we talking about here? Sure. Well, um, when we're talking about agility, organizational agility, it's really that ability to gather and act on information. And, and that information can come from any stakeholder, from employees, from customers, from vendors, from the marketplace. And then taking that information and using it to make decisions quickly to implement change and ultimately drive value to that customer, to that stakeholder. And so at the core of it, it's really about teams and how teams can come together in quick, effective ways to make decisions very quickly based on good information and based on good data. So you can begin to think about all the different things that organizations need to do just to, you know, just to accomplish that. How do we get the right teams to come together to make decisions quickly. So there are things like, of course, we need to have those tools and process to share information. We need to openly communicate. We need to make sure we break down silos. And so there's a host of those things we can talk about in a little more detail today. But I think it's more critical than ever um, as we consider the need to become agile uh, in this crisis because it's requiring every company, nearly every company, to, to pivot in some way, to rethink its strategy, either as demand has gone to zero or demand has tripled. As people are moving remotely, have been furloughed or terminated, or the doors are closing. Every, all of that requires uh, quick decisions and it requires the right teams to come together to make those decisions. Are we going to start in a different business? Are we gonna reconsider the products or go to market strategy? And so agility really is about um, internally individual teams, but also the organization as a whole, having that capacity to share information, come together, get the right people together and make decisions that will ultimately drive value. And what would you consider the right people just to define for listeners, like what that means? Like how does a business leader know if they have the right people based on who's left in the organization or who's able to work, right? Right. In terms of um, I need to move quickly and fast, but I don't know if I have the right people in place. And um, what does that look like in terms of uh, my organization today? Sure. Uh, agile teams, I think traditionally they've, when you've, 
you go years back and you talk about what Agile came from, and it was comes from the software development world, of course. And so it was very much focused on product development, but doing it not in that old hierarchical way, but in a much more uh, flat, cross-functional, you know, cross-departmental way. And you would have maybe um, a software engineer, you might have a marketing person, you might have a salesperson. And so then today, as we're talking about agile efforts, it's, it really requires us to think about who are the best people given a task. And again, um, it could be that you need to make decisions very quickly from an HR standpoint. So as an organization, we're going to bring people back to work today, or we need policies for our clients to let them know that what we're doing is are meeting standards, et cetera, et cetera. Who are the best people to come together that can gather information, quickly make those decisions and accomplish that task. So, who you have on those teams really depends on the tasks and the particular goals. I think that's interesting because I was just reading this book called The Hard Things About Hard Things. I don't know if you guys have heard about this book, but he was essentially uh, advocating that leaders need to be courageous enough and vulnerable enough to admit when there's a problem and ask for individuals to bring up problems and to talk about it collectively so all of the best minds come together. And I think maybe that's what you're alluding to is really ensuring that everybody who's a part of an organization is otherwise coming up with solutions, talking about problems so that the organization is potentially moving in the right direction in terms of adapting and changing quickly. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, absolutely. And it really requires a very different mindset than I think most organizations are used to. I mean, typically you think the traditional organization structured very hierarchically um, you know, the, the mandates and the decisions are sort of top down and they're very siloed, right? And I think in an agile environment, um, uh, being agile really requires that mindset that, look, we're going we're gonna to empower people. We're going to give them autonomy and we're going to give them the data and information they need to come together quickly and to make decisions. And so it is, it's indeed, it's, you know, and it gets, it gets back to the culture about having that mindset of moving out of the hierarchical, very structural, very rigid way that organizations are typically uh, structured. And that doesn't mean we don't have hierarchies. We still need a boss for performance reviews and, and we need an HR organization. And so we need some of these hierarchies, but they tend to conflict when uh, you want that very flat type of organization where cross-department or cross-functional people are coming together. So there's a place for a hierarchy, but not when you're trying to do agile. Or maybe to your point, in the case of hierarchy, it's a framework, right? You still need a process or a system or a framework for operating, but you can still have um, the interactions on a day-to-day basis be more flat in nature. I guess in terms of trust or in terms of communication or in terms of rather than it be a power or power type hierarchy. Right. And then Steve, do you have like at Dale Carnegie, are there trainings to help people with mindset and to help develop some of these tools um, that Mark and I talking about, about equipping essentially an organization to be more agile? Sure. If you, if you take what Mark said, basically all of our, our core programs from the flagship Dale Carnegie program through our leadership programs 
all focus on how do we communicate well together? How do we enhance trusting positive relationships? So from a, a social intelligence standpoint, uh, do we trust each other enough to be open to share that type of information? Do we feel like if we try and contribute our ideas that they're going to be shot down and we're going to look mm. uh, bad or are they going to be accepted even if maybe they don't get implemented, at least they'll be listened to. So all of the programs that we deliver are that type of, of uh, they accomplish that goal where they're bringing people together, helping them to communicate more effectively, helping them work in a team and from an agile standpoint, that that's really a requirement, right? If you are in, if you think of Carol Dweck's research on growth mindset versus fixed mindset, right? Organizations that have a fixed mindset look at failure as bad. So people don't want to stick their neck out and give ideas because if they get shot down, they look bad. Whereas in a growth mindset, intelligent risks are expected, you know, failure is expected. It's looked at as a growth opportunity. So we, we teach people, for lack of a better word, how to actually get that type of mindset so that they can feel like they're in a safe place. And are there exercises too, like I think in terms of practicing it or mimicking or kind of doing skits or anything related to the training so that people are actually applying so they're not just listening to it and learning about it, but really, you know, practicing what it is that they're learning. Sure. Yeah. At, at Dale Carnegie, we do what we call coaching in the moment. So everything that we are asking the participants to do that we're showing them how to do it, we actually practice right there. We coach them in the moment so that we can correct um, the behaviors right then and there. If you think of it like, um, you know, a sports coach, a basketball coach. They're not going to wait till the end of a game to come in and tell you how to make adjustments. They're going to do it along the way. And so that's kind of how the environment is in, in our um, sessions. We're, we're actually coaching them through how to apply the information, how to apply it through exercises, um, through practice. We say practice makes permanent at Dale Carnegie, right? So <laughs> up habits through practice. So which that's, uh, that's one of the things that we definitely do. Which I think is really important because as distinct from any other, I think training companies or trainings that people may otherwise receive where people are consistently teaching or talking to something, but individuals aren't otherwise able to really practice or apply it or refine it before they get back to, you know, their company or organization. And now it's being put to the test, right? Or they forget what's otherwise taught to them because they haven't fully absorbed it. So I think that's really important and distinct. And I think um, another piece that you also talk about in your white, white paper, Mark, is um, a little bit about agility as it relates to, I think, technology and artificial intelligence. And I'm not sure that, you know, myself and others really understand what AI entails. A lot of us may think about it kind of from a Hollywood perspective of like robots and, you know, replacing people with robots. Um, can you go into a little bit more detail in terms of the context of what you're um, really referring to AI as a way to help the organization be more agile too? And maybe also speak sure. a little bit about like what some of those trainings entail just for people to better understand. 
When we did this study last year, um, we looked at artificial intelligence as a type of digital transformation as many companies are experiencing digital transformation. And it's a, a real disruption in the workplace. It's a, it's a type of adversity or stressor, if you will, because uh, as we know, there are many artificial intelligence applications that are uh, taking over many of the roles and responsibilities of people They're, as they're automating different jobs, they're changing the nature of job roles. They're eliminating some jobs, as I mentioned. And it's, it's something that's taking place in the organization that requires an agile response. And so that was the, the story that we told agile around. And, and you can tell, you know, the story around COVID and, and, and how that um, requires an agile response. But the interesting thing is, I think, um, you know, with artificial intelligence is, it, not only is it those robots or those things that are, you know, uh, picking products in the Amazon warehouse or, um, you know, the, the chat bots that we get in customer service, there are many applications that are now being developed and, and have been in the last few years in the HR world and in, in management and performance reviews. And so as people are in the workplace today with AI all around them, then there are things to confront such as uh, privacy issues. Um, you know, are my, my chats and my emails being monitored by an, a machine learning uh, algorithm that tells my boss how likely I am to be disengaged, as an example. Uh, there are many HR applications around, as I mentioned, performance reviews. And one of the questions we asked in our survey is, you know, how likely would you be to uh, trust an application that uh, did a performance review where you knew the criteria or where you didn't know the criteria. And so as you look at all these different machine learning applications, all this artificial intelligence that's coming in around people, it's not just automating jobs, it's, it's managing people on a day-to-day -day basis. So all those different HR applications now are being infused with uh, artificial intelligence. And so it's a much bigger thing. It's not just somebody who happens to be on the assembly line or in the warehouse. It could be somebody in finance or in HR and operations as well. So it could be a tool that people can consider to not only make the organization work more seamlessly or, or adapt more quickly, but I think what you're also noting is the acknowledgement that there's literally pros and cons to it in terms of you know, applying AI, it's not that you just go out and start buying machines or increasing technology or increasing number of bots or really thinking through that. Yes, that may help you to adapt more quickly and may enable you to be more agile, but at the same time, there's also the flip side to it, right? In terms of right. um, there's certain things and limitations that these applications can't do that people can still do better or still do, do well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we know. We know, certainly, at least in our near future, at least in, hopefully in our lifetime, that are always those key jobs, uh, you know, managerial jobs and things that require those interpersonal skills that machines, you know, may, may never be able to replicate, uh, you know, the human skills and behaviors in that way. And so what you point out really is, is that flip side where we have artificial intelligence that I think oftentimes can help with facilitating uh, sharing data and collecting data. And at the same time, it 
artificial intelligence pre presents a disruption in the workplace that requires agile responses. Interesting. And Steve, do you have specific trains where people can learn more about AI and what does Dale Carnegie have available in terms of really taking into consideration like to what extent you may or may not incorporate AI into an organization for purposes of either becoming more agile and adapting to changes and or other considerations why you may not want to incorporate AI depending on what your business is or what you do and to what extent like we're talking about humans, you know, can always play a greater role in something. Yeah, so I, I would take what Mark said and, and I, I would expand on it and say that um, the more AI you have or the more you consider using AI, the more important the people skills become. So as he said, there might not be trust. So how do, as an organization, we build trust in the leadership so that people can move forward and um, use artificial intelligence. So from an artificial intelligence standpoint, point, I'll give you an example. We could have um, artificial intelligence that can scan a person and decide, do they have cancer or not? But do you want a, a robot to tell you you have cancer? No, you probably want a, a person to come in with their interpersonal skills, sit down with you and discuss what options you can have to actually address the issue or to uh, mitigate that that um, that disease, right? So the more artificial intelligence you have, the more it's important to have people interacting with people. So um, from our standpoint, we're looking at programs that how do we um, help leaders develop trust so that they can get people to cooperate because the one of the biggest reasons that initiatives fail is because people don't support the initiative and people don't support what they don't trust. So how do I build trust in my organization? How do I get people to be more empathetic um, in the, in the uh, case of the, uh, the cancer uh, example? How do I get people to communicate better? So the more intelligence uh, we have within an organization, the more people skills are gonna be magnified by those that, that are there. And so from a Dale Carnegie standpoint, that's where we really focus is how do we get and build that uh, organization's uh, culture so that there is trust, there's open communication, there's uh, co cooperation instead of just compliance. And I think and another like example of that, oh, sorry, go I'm, ahead. I'm sorry, Tracy. No, I just, I just thought of another example that you mentioned the cancer and, it, and this is happening in, in many organizations now. And, uh, you probably heard of um, artificial intelligence like um, a higher view and others that actually interview and hire people based on completely machine learning applications where you would interview with a computer that asks questions and it scans up to 5,000, 10,000, whatever it is, different variables from eye contact, voice intonation, et cetera. So how, how likely or how would a manager feel about having someone hired on their team that they didn't have a decision over. And so there are many of these different type of um, uh, dilemmas, if you will, that uh, really are getting in the way or require that human response. Um, it's, and it's that manager-employee relationship, really, that uh, artificial intelligence in some ways 
is, is trying to uh, automate, but we know that uh, really to be successful and to have strong relationships, we're going to need those interpersonal, those interpersonal connections. And I think what you guys have emphasized, which really resonated when Steve was giving the example about cancer is kind of, um, even an example where you get on the phone and let's say you're trying to resolve a certain situation with your bank or financial institution, right? And it's a machine, it's an AI where you keep getting, please prompt, push button, you know, three and you push button three and this is push button five and all of a sudden you just get looped around and around, right? And how many people get frustrated by that because all they really want is to talk to somebody who could help them, you know, resolve a fee on their checking account or banking account that will take, you know, 10 minutes versus getting looped around and around and around into different prompts, right? And so I think what you've really highlighted is that personal interaction sometimes can be faster, more effective, and more efficient than sometimes the artificial intelligence itself, right? And then I think on the other hand, you guys have alluded to this too, is people sometimes fear, you know, replacement like I'm going to get, my job's going to get replaced by a machine, right? And so, you know, does that mean that I don't have job security anymore? And I think especially right now where job security and that concern is even higher because of what we're going through, right? Does that mean that leaders are automatically going to turn to machine learning or AI to replace what I'm doing? And I think something that you've highlighted is AI is good in certain contexts, right? And leaders need to think about those pros and cons and those trade-offs before making that decision rather than purely see it as, I want an agile, fast organization. The answer is, you know, automating everything, for instance, right? So I think that's really important that you guys have stressed that. And I know even for myself, learning about AI, that's a new terminology that you know, it's definitely more applicable in the technology realm, but how do you apply that when you're a service business or when you're not necessarily like a manufacturing line, right? And so I appreciate you guys being able to highlight that. And I think what's important about agile organizations right now is it's not only during the COVID crisis right now and how are we adapting and how are we reacting to change, but it's something that I think will just only increase with time as we're seeing technology speeding things up in our reaction time, especially with COVID, the, what's happened in such a short period of time, right, I think will only increase in the future. So it's a really important topic. And I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to add around, maybe even social and creative intelligence, because you were kind of alluding to that, I think, in the conversation around what is an agile organization. If you can describe a little bit about what is that intelligence or what are those skills and creativity is, you know, if I'm not an artist, right, maybe I don't have any creativity or innovation. And so how do you really encourage people to either dig deep or acknowledge that we actually all do have a creative side. It's maybe to what extent and in what context. Sure. So when you talk about having creativity, as as you put it, um, really what, uh, when you look at agile, organizations you're really talking about an organization that's uh, focused on innovation right they they want to constantly change and grow so happen is people are going to transition to different types of skill sets you know from a say a traditional job description to more of a project-based uh, a work application from um, you know, from a, a single skill set maybe they had before to a multi-skilled um, labor force. So 
uh, it's going to evolve um, and people are going to evolve uh, because as you get more and more artificial intelligence, get more agile organizations, people are going to change basically their whole view on how they actually operate within an organization. As Mark said before, moving from that hierarchical, hierarch, I can't even say the word. Hierarchical. <laughs> to a flat organization. So people are going to be, um, their whole job descriptions are going to change. Their whole um, outlook on how they fit within an organization will, will be shifted from um, what it was just two months ago. You know, once we, we get a look at what is this new normal that is going to, you know, the world's going to look like when, when everybody goes back um, after this pandemic's over, uh, you're going to see a lot of changes, um, not just from a, an artificial stand, uh, artificial intelligence standpoint, but from, you know, all the different um, uh, requirements that are going to be pushed onto businesses from the government, from different industries, uh, demands from customers who, who are going to ask for insurances, you know, is this a safe uh, environment? Uh, so you're going to look at everything from how do we implement artificial intelligence within our organization? How do we comply with all these new regulations to how do we get people to actually even feel safe walking in the door? So um, there's going to be a lot of change. Um, so those people that maybe don't look at themselves as real creative are going to be creative because um, organizations are going to have to adjust or, uh, for lack of better term, they're going to become extinct. You know, people that can't adapt won't be able to um, carry on in the traditional manner that, that um, they could have two or three months ago. Well, and I think you just highlighted something really important for people is that creativity is not just one single skill set or a separate skill set. It's really adaptability or ability to um, perform multiple jobs or um, like that's getting creative and how do I um, attack a specific task at hand, but utilize different skills to do it or different people to do it, right? And so creativity is not just in the artistic sense, right? Or in the, you know, new idea sense, but really in the approach. And I think mm -hmm. something else that you highlighted is it's really all hands on deck at this point. I think for a lot of organizations is it's not just, oh, this is what you did in HR. This is what you did in finance, or this is what you did in accounting, but Hey, based on the number of individuals that are part of this new organization or company in order for us to move forward and to be successful, we need people to not only do their previous functions, but take on additional roles or responsibilities. And how do we all function as a, um, a team, right? And really seeing it that way versus my boss is responsible for this. I don't, you know, have anything to do with it. It's really, no, wait a minute. How can I have a part in that? Right. So I think, and, go ahead, Mark. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, on the creativity side, I mean, kind of three requirements kind of come to mind. One is I think you have to have some amount of expertise, right? Be close to the ground. If it's uh, you need to be creative about customers, then you work with customers. And so you have that understanding um, and, and that subject matter expertise to some extent. The second thing is you need to have data. 
And I mean, you can put people together and say, come up with this creative, great idea. But if they don't have all the information that's available to go on, then they may be going down the wrong road or they may not come up back with something that's feasible. And then the third thing is what Steve alluded to is that psychological safety that, you know, we call green light thinking, right? It's the ability to, to say, Hey, you know, what about this idea or what about this without being shot down or made to feel like uh, you're afraid to ask a question or, or to even confirm your understanding or stupid, you don't know what we're talking about that type of thing. So really those, I think those three things, that psychological safety, having the right people, I kind of went back to what I was saying before about those subject matter experts, those people who have an understanding of the task at hand, um, and, and, then, and then having the data to make the decisions based on. And we all love data, right? <laughs> yeah. We always talk about measurable outcomes, I know for us as a company, and frameworks and systems and tools, and I think that becomes even more relevant today, like you said, in terms of decision-making, but also being able to trust that the right decisions are being made, even if you're not making it yourself, right? So I think it's for leaders of organizations, it's getting really comfortable to a certain extent with more delegation, but also being able to trust that people know how to carry out those decisions and it's consistent with the organization as if you were to make that decision yourself right just to tell you a quick story about that um and i was talking with a small business owner and we were talking about agile and he had read the white paper and he was trying to be agile and he said uh he said mark you know i tried this thing with my sales force like i asked him i said look come up with a way we can really appreciate our best customers you know is it do we you know it's just a quick little um uh exercise or or goal come together let me know what's the best way we can say look really make these people feel special, they're good clients, and et cetera, et cetera. And they, he said, Mark, they came back and they had these, these great ideas, but there's no way I could afford it. I couldn't pay for it. I said, well, did you let them know what the budget was? He said, no, I didn't even talk about that. So it could be data, a piece of information as simple as that, um, that people need those parameters and understanding of, um, of how creative can we be. Versus sky's the limit, right? We'll do anything right. at this point. <laughs> and I think a lot of us kind of feel that way. Like we'll do anything right now to um, move forward and really ensure that um, right. everyone survives and stuff. So I really appreciate both your time, both of you for um, sharing with us your um, expertise and your knowledge about agility and really guiding us in terms of different business leaders. How can we um, create a more, um, agile organization that is able to adapt and um, flex and uh, move forward in an environment like today. So appreciate both of your time today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. 
Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.